Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hi, I'm Adam Brickmans, and today we're making venison steak marsala. This recipe was created by Justin Townsend, editor-in-chief at Harvesting Nature. He writes... I think chicken marsala was one of the first dishes I ever made for my mom when I was a kid. I remember taking her to the meal while she was working at the local hospital. Now, I'm not sure why I never thought to make this as a wild game dish before. The meal is slightly sweet, savory, and comforting. This meal is also a one pan meal minus the pots or starch. I use a stainless steel pan for the recipe because it gives the steaks a great crispy brown crust. You can use a non-stick pan but you will not get the steaks quite as brown. Don't worry about the flour sticking to the pan because you're going to deglaze it with stock and wine while making the sauce. This method captures all those delicious brown bits you get from browning the meat. Enjoy this meal over pasta, creamy polenta, cheese grits, or mashed potatoes for a great dinner any day of the week. Thanks Justin. I've talked to so many non-hunters now who had one bad experience with venison and were thereafter turned off of it altogether. I've even talked to some hunters who can barely choke down their own venison and just get everything ground up and made into pepperettes or snack sticks. On the other hand, here I am, along with many others in this field, telling you that venison is nothing short of incredible. What's up with that? How could venison be simultaneously so good and so bad? Someone's got to be lying here, right? Well, no, not exactly. Today we're going to explore why the venison you tried that one time and hated tasted so bad, and why the venison we're making here at Harvesting Nature tastes so good. Now there's no one rule or reason for this phenomenon, so let's break it down. Many people's first exposure to venison seems to be from some deer meat cooked up by their uncle or a friend or maybe even by their parents when they were children. It was probably dry and tough and grainy and chewy and livery and, you know, all around that bad G word that we don't like to hear around here, gamey. Most people politely choke it down, internally swearing to themselves, never again. 
Well, there were probably several reasons for your uncle's venison roast tasting like crap. Number one, age. When buying meat from the grocery store, you're nearly always getting a reliable cut of meat that will taste the same and be the same texture as the last piece of meat you bought, as well as the next. It will probably even be the same as a piece of meat someone bought on the other side of the country. This is because livestock are all raised in a very similar way, fed the same things, and are killed at the same age. That age is often quite young. In the modern farming world, cattle are generally killed at 18 months, which is very young considering they can live naturally until 15 or 20 years of age. Pigs are usually killed at 6 months, while chickens only get to see 5 or 6 weeks. The reason for this is to provide people with younger and more tender meat, and also to free up space for the next round of livestock. North American consumers are addicted to cheap meat, and so farms have to operate in this manner in order to meet demand. Hunters, on the other hand, are often targeting animals that are much older than farm-raised animals, particularly if they're after a big buck with a nice set of antlers. These mature bucks generally range from 3 to 7 years old, and their meat tends to be tougher and a little more flavorful with each passing year. The same goes for some other commonly targeted animals in the hunting world. Canada geese can live up to 25 years in the wild, and it's nearly impossible to age them as they're flying down into your decoy spread. Considering that farm geese are killed at 15 weeks, a 20-year-old wild goose is going to be quite a bit tougher if you happen to get one. Targeting younger animals will result in less meat and less trophies, but more tender and milder meat. It's up to the hunter to choose what's more important to them, and there are no right answers here. Number 2. Diet As mentioned, domesticated livestock generally stick to one type of feed, a feed that's pretty similar across North America. This feed will generally consist primarily of corn and serves to fatten animals up quickly. Corn-fed animals all share a certain kind of insipid taste that we've come to associate with meat nowadays. If you've ever had grass-fed beef or pastured pigs, you probably noticed a big difference in flavor as well as in the texture of the meat. These animals will have much more beefiness or porkiness or turkiness or whatever, and they may be a tad bit tougher. Same goes for wild game, whose diets can vary considerably. A deer munching on corn in a Pennsylvania farm field will taste different than a deer chewing on, say, cedar in a swamp in northern Ontario. Same goes for an antelope eating sage on the prairies compared to an elk in the mountains eating aspen twigs. The flavor of the meat is going to be quite a bit different. Perhaps one of the biggest examples of this is black bear meat. Many black bears are attracted to garbage dumps where they'll forage for food and fill their bellies full of trash. The meat from dump bears is said to taste terrible, with a definite hint of garbage. Bears on the west coast who do a lot of salmon fishing are said to taste uh, you know, somewhat fishy. On the other hand, bears who gorge themselves on blueberries are said to have an excellent flavor. Diet will also affect the amount of fat an animal has, which will definitely affect the flavor as well. If given the chance to try venison from different locales, you'll probably notice that corn-fed venison tastes the most like domesticated livestock, while their wilder cousins are going to be much more flavorful or gamier. Number 3. Sex The sex of the deer can make a difference in flavor, especially during certain times of the year. A sexually active buck in rut is going to be producing a lot of hormones that may affect the flavor of the meat. They'll also be very stressed out during the rut, Fighting other bucks, looking desperately for does, this stress can lead to tougher or gamier meat. 
A young doe will generally taste quite a bit better and be quite a bit more tender than an older, rutting buck. Talking about stress, there's other ways it can affect an animal's flavor as well. You know when you're working out and your muscles begin to burn? That's a buildup of lactic acid causing that. Hunting methods that force deer to run in a panic can cause said deer to fill their muscles with lactic acid, which is said to leave a slightly foul taste in the meat. Targeting an oblivious deer from a stand or a hiding spot may just lead to better tasting meat in the end. Number four, processing. The care taken when processing a deer, and by processing I mean infield care, hanging time, cleaning, gutting, butchering, etc., will impact the end flavor of the meat big time. First off, shot placement plays a big role. A deer shot cleanly through the heart and lungs will hardly need any cleaning at all. But sometimes your shot doesn't go as planned, and you end up piercing the guts. You could also pierce the stomach, intestines, or gallbladder accidentally while gutting the deer. This causes bile, stomach acids, and fluids to spill out into the gut cavity, tainting any meat that it touches. If these liquids aren't cleaned out of the carcass quickly, then they will negatively affect the taste of the meat, even going so far as to make it inedible. Meat tainted in this way should either be cleaned immediately or cut off and discarded. Guts should be removed carefully without any leakage and the cavity should remain as dry as possible. In hot regions, the meat should be put on ice quickly to prevent spoilage. Taking too long to do this will also negatively affect the flavor of the meat. Notice I said on ice and not in ice. Many hunters pack their meat in ice that melts, leaving it to turn flabby and gray in a slushy mess. Instead, they should be wrapping it and leaving it on top of ice to guard it from getting wet. Dry meat equals tastier meat. Those in cooler climates, or those with access to cold storage, should then be hanging their animals. When done properly, hanging or aging an animal will allow enzymes to begin their work, breaking down the meat in a beneficial way. Aged meat will taste better and be more tender, making it well worth the trouble. You can take this process further and either wet or dry age individual pieces of meat, making them even more mellow and tender. I'll probably end up covering this in another Antler Finn episode, I think. After hanging and aging, meat should be kept consistently dry and cool during the butchering process. Your butcher area should be kept very clean and all grinding and sausage making should be done at very cold temperatures. The person butchering should know which cuts are which and which cut is best for say a pot roast or for a roast even rare or steak or chop or for stew or chili. Using the wrong cut for your recipe can very much end up in a dry and less than tasty meal. Many people get their deer processed at abattoirs or butcher shops. Many of these places get overwhelmed during hunting season and will simply fill your box with whatever venison they have on the table. You may have spent a lot of time and effort targeting a cornfield-fed white-tailed doe and been scrupulous about cleaning and processing it, just end up with some random venison in a box. Now, not all butchers do this, mind you, but I've heard many people complain about it. You may also get strange cuts from the butcher, like the infamous and ridiculous leg steak. Leg steaks happen when a butcher freezes a hind leg of venison, then runs it through a bandsaw while frozen, creating what looks like the type of steak you'd see in a cartoon or something. The problem with these notoriously lazy steaks is that they're made up of several different cuts separated by thin membranes. Each cut cooks differently and at different speeds, while the membranes hold the cut together. What happens when you put it on the grill or in the skillet? 
The membranes constrict and the entire stake buckles, becoming a dumb cup-like thing with different sections varying in tenderness. When you butcher at home, you choose what cuts you want and that should never be a leg steak. Number five, storing. Proper storage of the meat will translate into better tasting venison on the plate. When you had your first taste of venison, did your uncle put out a random hastily wrapped roast from the bottom of the freezer that was mm, like two, no, three years old to cook up? That roast was likely freezer burnt and by no means in prime condition. Venison should be cut and then either wrapped very well in wax butcher paper, and by very well I mean completely sealed with zero meat showing through, or even better, wrapped in plastic wrap first, then in butcher paper. You could also use a vacuum sealer to do the job, which eliminates most of the oxygen present, which is the enemy when it comes to freezing. If going the vacuum sealer route, know that the seals often break, so keep a close eye on the meat in your freezer and quickly rotate any packages with bad seals out. Your venison should also be properly and clearly labeled to prevent dinner ruining mix-ups later. Here's what should be included on our label with some examples. The meat, let's say venison. The animal, you know, a doe or swamp buck or a big buck or something like that. The cut, sterling tip roast, loin steaks, shanks, etc. The amount, four steaks or one pound of burger or a three pound roast. The season or year, fall 2022. You think you'll remember what everything is when you pack it away, but you won't. I've made this mistake way too many times before I learned my lesson. Older meat should be rotated to the front or the top of the freezer so that it gets eaten first. Things like organ meats, tenderloins, and thinner cuts are more susceptible to freezer burn, so you should use those in the first month or two of storing. Number six, cooking. Ah uh, yes, cooking. Many people just don't actually know how to properly cook venison. That means that it often doesn't taste very good or that it's dry or overcooked or tough. Although there are exceptions to these rules, you can follow this as a guideline on how you should be cooking your venison. For the neck, shoulders, and shanks. These are hardworking muscles that are quite tough and sinewy. You want to slow cook or grind these cuts. You can also cut these into stewing meat. If slow cooking or making a pot roast, make sure there's a lot of liquid and fat added to your braise so that the meat doesn't dry out. Even the toughest piece of meat can be braised into submission, it just may take a little longer. The ribs. Ribs are quite fatty and deer fat isn't always a pleasurable experience when eating. Ribs should be braised slowly, then finished off on the grill or under the broiler, then eaten hot. This helps render out a lot of that fat. For the loins, backstraps, tenderloins, top sirloins, these are often your most tender cuts. They're best cooked as steaks or chops, or you could tie some together to make a nice roast, and they should be enjoyed medium rare. For the hindquarters, this includes a lean inside and outside round, the eye of round, and the sirloin tip. These cuts are great for curing, the sirloin tip makes an excellent pastrami, they're good for slicing thin for scallopini, fondue, or schnitzel for stir-fry strips, for roast cooked to medium rare, for sandwich meat, for jerky, for minute steaks, etc. It only makes okay stew meat or pot roast as it tends to dry out, but it will work in a pinch. That all may seem like a lot because, well, it is a lot. If you're taking the life of an animal to feed your family, you should be taking the care to make sure it tastes good. 
those new to all of this just need to practice doing it all. It will get better and it will get easier with time and practice. For those of you who may be listening who haven't tried venison since that first awful experience, maybe it's time to try it again, but this time from someone who knows what they're doing with it. Or maybe it's time to try out hunting yourself so you can take control of the entire process. There are many resources available for you to help you out with your first hunting, processing, or cooking experience. Look no further than the Harvesting Nature or the Intrepid Eater websites to start. If you're looking for a good recipe to make with your newly acquired delicious venison, why not try Justin's Venison Steak Marsala? You won't be disappointed. This recipe serves 3-4 to people and takes about 30 minutes to make. Ingredients 2 pounds of venison steaks Half a teaspoon of oregano 1 teaspoon of garlic powder Half a teaspoon of salt Half a teaspoon of black pepper Half a teaspoon of thyme 3 tablespoons of oil 3 tablespoons of flour For the sauce 2 tablespoons of butter 2 tablespoons of flour 8 ounces of mushrooms like baby bella, porcini, or shiitake sliced 3 garlic cloves minced quarter of a yellow onion minced 3 quarter cup of game stock sub in on salted chicken stock if you don't have any 3 quarter cup of marsala wine 1 teaspoon of minced fresh thyme half a teaspoon of salt 3 tablespoons of minced parsley for garnish pasta, polenta, mashed potatoes work well for serving to prepare place the steaks in a ziploc bag and use a meat mallet to pound each steak to approximately a quarter of an inch thick combine the oregano, garlic powder, salt black pepper, and thyme in a small bowl. Season evenly on each side of the steaks. Bring a large stainless steel pan to heat over medium heat and then add the oil. Allow the oil to come to heat. Dredge each of the steaks in flour and then place in the pan. Brown each side of the steak for approximately one to two minutes on each side. Remove the steaks and set aside. Now for the sauce. Using the same pan, reduce the heat to medium-low. Add the butter and allow it to melt. Then stir in the flour. Allow the flour to simmer, stirring constantly for one minute. Bring the heat back up to medium. Stir in the mushrooms, onions, and garlic. Allow to cook for an additional two minutes. Add the game stock, marsala wine, and the thyme. Allow the mixture to simmer for 4 minutes, which will thicken the sauce. Taste the sauce and adjust with salt if needed. Plate the steaks over the starch and then top with the sauce. Add the minced parsley for garnish. Enjoy! For more great wild fish and game recipes, be sure to subscribe and follow Antler and Finn.